right people what's going on it's your boy mario of woke up a rebel and today i'm bringing you a new episode of revelations podcast i'm bringing you episode number 22 which is titled the media is messing with your memory a wag the dog review wag the dog is a movie that i'm going to talk about that was released in 1997 very excited about this episode very excited to share this topic with you if you would like to follow along and read with me so you can get a better idea of what it is that I'm talking about today. You can head over to wokeuparebel.com. In the menu, you'll find the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter. Look for the blog post titled, The Media Is Messing With Your Memory, A Wag The Dog Review. So thank you so much for joining me once again. I hope, you enjoyed, I hope you've enjoyed the last few episodes that I've shared. I've been dropping an episode every week that is connected to the weekly newsletter, aka the blog. In order to receive the newsletter in your inboxes every single Monday, please make sure to subscribe via the subscribe drop-down menu where you will find where you find the Woke Up A Rebel newsletter on the website at wokeuparebel.com or head over to our social media on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Just search for Woke Up A Rebel. Please subscribe to our channel on YouTube at Woke Up A Rebel TV. All right, so let's get into this topic. I've been meaning to write on this subject for quite some time. I've been paying close attention to how the news is reported to us ever since 9-11. The proliferation of bad news has increased dramatically since social media platforms first appeared. How can we verify the veracity of the news we are reading? Is broadcasting the same news nonstop, even if it is accurate, healthy? The news hardly ever presents a moral to the story or a recommendation on how negative events might be avoided. The news can occasionally resemble a staged production where the actors are reading scripts, especially political news. Let's examine a movie that demonstrates the potential for media manipulation called Wag the Dog. Right, so let's go back to when I was in high school and something that if you were alive during that those days if you're around my age group everybody remembers 9-11 everybody remembers where they were rest in peace to all the lives that were lost during that tragedy and afterwards during the war or wars right so we'll get into 9-11 a little bit and on the blog site i shared an image you know of the famous twin towers the world trade center in new york right so 9-11 that was the first time that i noticed that the news constantly showed us people's trauma and suffering on repeat I won't go into details about the images that will forever stay in my mind from that event, but I do have to say that it's the media's constant replaying of death and violence from that event that played a huge role in burning into my memory the things that I saw. I naturally gravitated to wanting to find out what actually happened on that day. Did Donald Rumsfeld report that 2.3 trillion US dollars was missing, or was it how the media worded it that led us to think this? What about the news that Building 7 went down but wasn't actually hit by a plane? Or that the area where the Pentagon was hit just happened to have the computers where the information about the missing money was located. Up to this day, 9-11 is still a mystery to most of us who lived through it or witnessed it via media coverage. And for some reason, I wrote this because I always had this in my mind ever since that tragedy happened. The song that was hot around that time was Usher's You Got It Bad. Remember that song produced by Jermaine Dupri? I don't know why, but I'll always remember that song because of that event. I remember just sitting on my couch, watching all these news, every channel that I put it on, every channel that I flipped was always the news. But then when it came to music, it was just so soothing, you know, at that time listening to that song, you know, the rock guitar, it was just the electric guitar in it, you know, it was just so nice. 
I started to view the world differently after that incident. I discovered that the world is a strange place and that the integrity of our sources of information can be at risk. I've always had a deep-seated skepticism for almost everyone and everything, especially when it comes to famous people and media figures. I occasionally ponder how news anchors differ from Hollywood actors. Consider the fact that news anchors frequently have fame and wealth comparable to those of Hollywood actors. It would be denying reality to believe that these people don't enjoy some sort of fame. You can also deceive yourself by assuming that journalists aren't attempting to gain notoriety, right? We have the Don Lemon of the world, the Anderson Coopers, the Jorge Ramos of the world, right? Like, yes, you could debate that they're doing good work, but at the same time, they're working for mass media. The media became aware of what had the public's interest. Now, let's take a look at how the media realized that the biggest moneymaker was drama and controversy. The media became aware of what had the public's interest. That was OJ Simpson and the white Bronco police pursuit in the USA. It's probably safe to claim that we caused it to ourselves. News organizations know what to do to make money and stay on the air after specific events that skyrocketed TV ratings. And what I mean is like back in the early 90s when uh, allegedly OJ Simpson murdered his then wife and personal trainer or something like that. Uh, there was like a high speed police chase and it was on TV and just everybody was glued to their TV, right? So it brought, it brought up ratings. So unfortunately, like I said, we did it to ourselves. So in an article that I read on psychocentral.com, there were some really good points that I felt I should share with you all. Media engagement impacts how we form relationships with strangers to how we experience life as a whole. One such impact, perhaps less commonly discussed, is the media's effect on human memory and how this affects the way we recall history. The literature suggests that media affects the content of memories, the recollection of memories, and the capacity of memory, ultimately influencing the way we remember history. Media modifies not only what we remember, but how we remember. For example, a news report, tweet, or Facebook post that includes false information could impact what the reader recalls about the event. That's a very touchy subject because, you know, I have spoken to people who could swear that the information that they consume is the right information. It's correct. They can almost lay their life down on it. And they could very well be telling the truth. But at the same time, mass media, it, like it, somebody's paying for that. Somebody's paying for people to write these type of articles. Somebody's paying to put the information that you see in front of you, right? If you have to watch the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, so you can get a further understanding of how algorithms work, maybe the information that you're consuming might be super biased, okay? So moving on. This part of the article got me a bit heated because of how true it is. Along the same lines, the use of strong and sensationalized language can influence what details are remembered about an event, such as whether something or someone was present. Thus, when headlines that use strong verbiage are widely broadcast, there is risk for memory distortion if the information is exaggerated. Here's a part about the impacts of social media. Social media also poses a threat for memory. Social media also poses a threat to memory, specifically in the formation of memories. One way to understand social media's effect is through the illusory truth effect, whereby people tend to rate familiar statements as more true than new statements. This is especially pertinent to the fake news phenomenon. According to the illusory truth effect, when information is presented over and over again on social media platforms, it is more likely to be deemed true, right? So if you see all of these different big platforms, influencers sharing the same news, chances are you might think it might be factual. It might be the, the correct truth. The article mentioned something called 
the Google effect. Studies show that people who expect to have access to information later on more readily forget information than those who did not. Furthermore, people show better memory for where to locate the information than the actual information. Such susceptibility to news manipulation through language and repetition, together with a reliance on others to experience and document history, increases our risks for accepting false narratives and inaccurate accounts of history. It is imperative for us to share results about the media's impact on memory with the gatekeepers of these platforms, given our memories which root us personally and culturally and thus ultimately define our history. And the source of that was the effects of media on memory by psychcentral.com. So basically what this is saying is that we know the Google effect is like because we have information so readily available to us that we could always go back to it as a reference, you know, go over to such whatever newsource.com and find the article. We don't have to necessarily retain that information anymore. Therefore, our mind just disposes of it and just focuses on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And by the end of it all, we haven't retained anything from the day that we've consumed. What about social media's effects on our memory and mood? Social media use may have negative implications for everyday memory through emotional well-being. Prior correlation as well as experimental research has shown greater social media use has been linked to lower happiness through techno stress. Example, technology-specific stress. Greater negative effects and worse overall mood. If, for example, in an ecological momentary assessment study, visiting a greater number of social media sites and spending more time on social media sites were both independently associated with greater general negative effects as well as sadness and guilt specifically. Crazy, right? Social media use may reduce emotional well-being by increasing negative feelings of social comparison, such that an individual who spends time on social media may be exposed to highly selected and overall positive depictions of others and in turn feel more negatively about one's self in comparison. In turn, lower emotional well-being may negatively influence memory functioning. Further, in experimental studies, greater induced negative effect relative to positive or neutral mood conditions has been linked to greater mind wandering, worse perspective memory, and poorer memory recall. And the source was daily associations between social media use and memory failures, the mediating role of negative effect. And that's by NIH.gov. Fascinating, right? I mean, it's stuff that we already knew, but, you know, social media is, is like, it's like a drug. We just keep going back to it, knowing that it's bad for us. Some people have the power and the self-discipline to, you know, not be fully influenced by it. So kudos to you. Research also shows that heavy social media use is linked with memory deficits, especially in your transactive memory. This kind of memory involves deciding what information is important enough to store in your brain and what information can be outsourced. In one study, the participants were asked to record an experience using their notes or social media, and other groups were asked to simply experience the event without recording it. At the end of the study, those who had recorded or shared the event performed worse and showed more of a memory deficit than those who experienced the event without recording it. Externalizing an experience worsened the participants' memory because their brain received the message that it didn't need to hold on to. Their brain because their brain received the message that it didn't need to hold on to information that was stored elsewhere. There are a myriad of positive effects to social me to social media, including new friendships, career opportunities, exposure, and connection to new cultures and movements, just to name a few. However, science tells us how important it is to be aware of and guard against social media's negative impacts as they are quite literally shrinking your brain. Remember that. Heavy social media use, looking at negative stuff, looking at other, comparing yourself to other people that you see on social media, people that look like they're doing better than you, people that look like they're more successful or more advanced than you are. All of that, it's not healthy and it's shrinking your brain. 
The takeaway, despite how social media may have changed your life for the better, and no matter how much you enjoy carrying around a mini dopamine dispenser, moderation is key, right? And source is what social media does to your brain by NeuroGrow, right? So I just wanted to get a little bit into what social media does to us, how it has the potential of making us believe that incorrect information is true or factual information. But then who gets to decide what is factual other than scientific studies, right? We have media, we have like, I, I see a lot of articles from USA Today that they have fact checkers. Like, who are these fact checkers? Who, what are their credentials? You know, these fact checkers. And that really annoys me when I see that there are quote unquote fact checkers out there. It just makes me distrust the media even more, right? So speaking of a distrust of the media, there's a film that I really wanted to talk about, which is like the, I guess the the whole point of this blog or this, which is the whole point of this podcast episode is the movie Wag the Dog. The movie stars Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro. Who else is in it? Kirsten Dunst is in it. Um, and I really can't think of anybody else right now at this moment, but there's a lot of familiar face. Oh, Woody Harrelson is also in this movie, right? And you know, it's very funny at times. It's a, it's a two hour movie. And it's, you know, it has its moments where it's kind of slow, but overall, like the whole point of the movie is very important, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of my review of the film and yeah, take from it what you want. And if you find something that catches your attention, please don't hesitate to leave a comment on YouTube in the comment section for episode 22 of Revelations podcast, right? So let's get into the Wag the Dog movie review, right? So I recently watched the movie and then I rewatched it again, you know, for the sake of this podcast episode. The metaphor wag the dog is meant to show the power of the media. A dog is smarter than its tail and the dog controls the tail. The dog is society and the media is the tail. A dog is smarter than its tail, meaning that the tail, the media is smarter than the dog society. Make sense? The tail is the media, the dog is society. We remember the slogans, but we don't remember the war is an interesting line from the movie that demonstrates what people actually remember about certain events. We never see the actual war or what is going on. We just hear the messages that come from the quote-unquote war. When Stanley Moss, the producer, and I'm talking about the movie right now, the characters' names in the movies. When Stanley Moss, the producer, devises the scheme, devises the scheme of planting an Albanian bomb in Canada, he is definitely doing harm to Americans, Canadians, and Albanians. He instilled fear in all of those people involved, proving the unethical behavior of the media. Barry Levinson made a movie called Wag the Dog. While Levinson's 1997 film Wag the Dog wasn't based on real events, it came out at just the right time to sync up with reality. The film explores the aftermath of a political scandal in which the President of the United States is caught having an extramarital affair with an underage White House staffer. Was it a coincidence that the 1997 film was released about a month before the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal happened? Hmm. Audiences focused more on the scandal than the actual point of the film. Wag the Dog isn't about the president's sex life. It's a grim commentary on how media can mask the sinister things that the government is actually doing. In the movie, people who work at the White House get word that there's a scandal that could derail the presidential elections only two weeks before the elections. The president's staff scramble to figure out how to take the attention away from this and come up with a plan to divert the public's eyes away. They hire a media fixer, Conrad Breen, played by Robert De Niro, who is someone who is skilled in media manipulation. In an attempt to come up with a way to make their issue go away or create a big enough distraction that people will focus on that instead, he decides that a quote-unquote war would distract the public from the scandal. 
That's when he seeks Hollywood film producer Stanley Moss, played by Dustin Hoffman. They start coming up with a plan on how to market this war. In the film, the crisis actor that was played by Kristen Dunst realizes that everything is absolutely nuts. In one scene, when the production crew was preparing to film, she was given a bag of Tostitos chips and was told to hold it like it was a baby. The Hollywood people came up with a fake war in Albania to distract the public from the president's scandal. Albanian terrorists have brought a nuclear weapon into Canada and are planning to smuggle it into the US. Also in Albania itself, the terrorists are wreaking havoc on, a small, on small villages. With the help of real actors, actresses, and state-of-the-art special effects, Breen and Moss must carry the story until after the election and make sure it finishes off without any doubt of the reality of it. But what if Moss wants credit for, for the masterpiece? And what if the CIA gets suspicious? And what if their chosen war hero is actually a psychotic right? So this and this the source for that was Wag the Dog movie synopsis summary plot and film details by filmjabber.com. Right? Crazy. Like I hope you got a little bit of that or understood what I said there, but they created a fake war in this movie to distract people from a scandal that was being swept under the rug that the president was messing with an underage girl. So fast forward to present day. The war between Ukraine and Russia, which started in February of 2022, has been a very controversial one. War is never okay. I feel for the innocent people who have been affected and displaced due to it. My condolences to the lives that have been lost. I am someone who doesn't usually publicly express my views about serious topics like war, the pandemic, and other things because of how easily words can be misinterpreted and weaponized by people who are simply looking for controversy and a way to stir things up for content. Many things have been said regarding the current war. Provocation, broken treaties, disregard for diplomatic methods of resolving issues, cover-ups, NATO setting up shop too close to Russian borders via Ukraine territory, and more. Whether it's the controversy surrounding Hunter Biden's laptop, the Biden family's involvement with Ukrainian industries, supposed U.S. biolabs, and the Nord Stream 2 pipeline explosion, I think it's fair to say that there isn't a whole lot of transparency happening in the media. Since before the Cold War, propaganda has been a major way to convince populations how to feel and think regarding who is the enemy. In 2023, the same model has been used to the point where we have media companies censoring opposing views contrary to what the mainstream media narrative is. Even Google AdSense was warning users on their site that they would demonetize any website that goes against the current narrative of what's happening over there. I will say this here. I do not condone the war that is happening in Ukraine, and I hope that peace comes sooner than later for the people of that land. It's unfortunate that people dressed in tailored suits get to beef with each other, only to then send the youngest, strongest, and bravest men and women to fight their wars while the leaders get to sit in front of the cameras during press conferences and debate what the next steps are in order to end the conflict. Human life is simply collateral damage when it comes to geopolitics. Insane spending from the supporting countries is going to previously Afghanistan and other wars. Meanwhile, those very nations have broken healthcare systems, broken educational systems, extreme inflation, housing markets at record all-time highs, and much more. Those very dollars being funneled to fund wars could possibly even eradicate the supporting nations' issues. I'm almost sure that I'm almost sure that most people have heard that the media manipulates the truth to benefit those who fund it. There is a clear agenda when it comes to mainstream news, and it is not to inform you about things to benefit you. The media basically shows us how the government is spending taxpayers' money, sending money to fund wars that have nothing to do with them, creating bills and laws that the majority of the world's population doesn't agree on, and in a nutshell are showing us there's nothing you can do to stop this. The film explores how war generates fear and panic, and how those heightened emotions are weaponized by both the news cycle and the government. I mean, like, there's just so much stuff going on, so much to say. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. And what's even more unfortunate is what's happening here in Canada. So I don't follow politics that heavily. I'm not big on that stuff in the political spectrum. Okay. This is just, I felt like it was, um, 
I felt like it was relevant to the topic when it comes to you know media manipulation and stuff. Okay, so this is what's happening in Canada. Bill C-11, which would subject much of the Canadian internet to the same levels of CRTC oversight that are already mandatory for the country's TV and radio broadcasters. Most controversially, this would require online streaming platforms such as YouTube or Netflix to meet government-specified quotas on Canadian content. Currently, most major streaming sites are governed by complex algorithms designed to match users with the content they would find most interesting. But under Bill C-11, the algorithms would need to be tweaked so that any media Ottawa considers Canadian would be disproportionately pushed on Canadian viewers while non-Canadian media is buried. So um, here's what YouTube has to say about this. YouTube, for one, has charged that such measures would serve only to put Canadian content in front of people who don't like it, resulting in a wave of negative attention for Canadian videos that would hurt their performance in the rest of the world. And uh, that is from nationalpost.com. YouTube is very biased because, you know, they only care about making money. They don't care about that we're being censored or anything. I really find it hard to believe that anybody cares to that level. So what does BC11 do? Once again, it aims to regulate digital streaming platforms such as Netflix, YouTube, and Spotify in the same way as broadcasters by requiring them to create a certain percentage of Canadian content and make it accessible to Canadian users, right? And that's from CBC. Google has temporarily blocked some Canadian users from viewing news content. The company says the move is a response to the Liberal government's proposed Online News Act, or Bill C-18, which would require internet giants to compensate Canadian media companies for making news content available on their platforms. Right, so let's move on to what is, B what is Bill C-18. First tabled in June 2022, B, Bill C-18 would essentially force companies like Google and Meta which owns Facebook, to negotiate deals to pay Canadian media companies for the content they link to and preview on their websites and platforms. All we're asking Facebook to do is negotiate fair deals with news outlets when they profit from their work, Rodriguez said. Uh, not 100% sure who Rodriguez is. I just took this clip, right? But I think uh, Rodriguez is like a Canadian government person who, I guess, oversees um the media i guess this is part of a disappointing trend this week that tech giants would rather pull news than pay their fair share facebook last year raised concerns about the legislation and warned it might be forced to block news sharing on its platform google says how do i know if this impacts me google says less than four percent of its canadian users are affected by the test not an insignificant number considering google's search engine enjoys an approximately 90 percent market share in the country to find out if you're one of them, simply open the Google search engine, type in a Canadian-themed word like Trudeau or Ottawa, and then click on Google's News tab. If you see stories by Canadian media outlets like CTV News, your account is probably not affected. If you're mostly seeing news sources from the US and elsewhere, you're likely among the 4%. And the source for this was CTV, ctvnews.ca. I guess what I'm saying is that this basically implies we'll mostly see the news from the perspective of what the Canadian government considers appropriate, maybe? Although I could be misinterpreting that, that is how it appears to me. This bothers me for a variety of reasons. You can look up these bills, Bill C-11 and Bill C-18. The material we just reviewed is not simple to digest. We now have proof that a constant stream of news and media has a deleterious impact on our memory. We discovered a movie that strangely feels too true to life, right? The Wag the Dog film. A film that demonstrates the lengths to which governments would go in order to divert our attention from the crucial issues that their citizens should be addressed. Some musicians would rather not have politicians exploit their music in any way when it comes to using their music during press rallies and such. Artists like MGMT, the Foo Fighters, and Axel and Engrosso of Swedish House Mafia. They've famously, you know, 
not allowed their music to be used by politicians at all, you know, for whatever reason. Nonetheless, there are certain musicians that openly support politicians and use their platforms to attempt and sway voters in the candidates' favor. The likes of 50 Cent, Ice Cube, Lil Pimp, I mean Lil Pump. I know I did that on purpose. And if you get the joke, then you get the joke. So Lil Pump, Cardi B, Offset, Bad Bunny, Common, Jay-Z, and Beyonce are all mentioned. Do you remember that time when Jay-Z and Beyonce were endorsing Hillary Clinton? Like, I don't know, it just felt really weird that, you know, a street dude and, you know, a singer were so involved in a political campaign. Like, I just found it very weird. When you take a step back, you realize how heavily politics has influenced Latin urban and hip-hop music and culture. At this point, I could advise you to consider both sides of the news constantly. Don't believe everything you hear and don't be duped by the media's tricks. Watch the movie as well, please. Wag the dog right it's an amazing film that shows you so much and some people will still write it off like oh it's just hollywood it's just a movie but art imitates real life right so i hope to hear some of your thoughts on the topic you know if you end up watching the movie please head over to youtube to this episode episode number 22 and drop a comment you know let me know what it is that you thought of the movie what you took away from the movie right just drop a comment under the in the comment box of this episode on youtube or you can leave a comment in the spotify version of this right just head over to spotify search up rebel relations podcast and it'll be episode number 22 so speaking of the media I know that a lot of people are up in arms about Bad Bunny and Kendall Jenner dating. And I'm not here to talk about the gossip of, oh, they're dating. What does it mean to me? I don't really care that they're dating. And honestly, nobody should really care that they could potentially be dating. But I just wanted to point out what this could possibly mean. You know, and the way that I have seen how Latin urban music has blown up, you know, reggaeton, Latin hip hop and stuff. Power to the culture, to the movement. But... I feel like Latinos as a whole, as a culture, has just been lately especially been just pimped out so much. And I would never look at being involved with the Kardashians to any capacity as success. I look at it as the highest level of selling out, to be completely honest, right? Like who that has been involved with the Kardashians has had a good end, right? So I think this whole thing with Bad Bunny dating, uh, potentially dating Kendall Jenner, it's it's a little bit deeper than how people consume it. And once again, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to the media, right? We're presented with something and most people just take it for face value and and that's it they think oh they're dating i don't like this it's bad for latinos look what's happened to all the black men who have dated the women of that family right and now they're and now they're doing it to latinos through bad bunny but honestly bad bunny is his own person he knows what he's getting himself into and i truly see it as nothing more than just a business move to be honest because next thing you know after they were seen together kendall and bad bunny now all of a sudden bad bunny is on james corden's a weird karaoke show where they're not actually driving around. They're actually like being driven around. They're like on a flatbed or something. Speaking of the Kardashians, have any of you looked into what's happening with Black China? Right? So ever since her appearance at the Grammys, where, you know, we know she's not an artist, she doesn't sing, but for some reason she was there and she was dressed like a like a crow. Like she was dressed all in black in like a weird um cabaret style outfit i guess you can say but it was very strange you know like why would she show up dressed that way like it almost seemed like a humiliation move you know and 
days later, her mother went on, uh, what's her name, Tokyo Tony? She went on the internet and she was saying that she was afraid that she was about to get sacrificed. She realized she was saying that her daughter's involved with some weird people in Hollywood, that Hollywood is evil. And she was afraid that she was going to be sacrificed. She was afraid to be alone with her daughter. She didn't want to be alone with her. Right. And I mean, I look into these things a lot. Trust me, maybe more than I, uh, I should into, I guess, quote unquote, conspiracy theories. But, you know, it's coming out of the her mother's mouth, you know, that she's afraid for her daughter. She's afraid that she's given into the Baphomet society, you know, the Baphomet worship. And uh, allegedly, uh, Black China has a tattoo of Baphomet on her body, right? But then uh, fast forward and I see recently, like a couple of days ago, that um, Black China was getting baptized, right? And this is all after she has been removing the plastic surgery. She's been removing what uh, was in her butt for the implants because she had a BBL, right? She's been removing all of that. She's removed stuff that she had done to her face. I mean, maybe she's come full circle. Maybe she had a heart-to-heart with her mom after her mom was on the internet. Who knows? But the media is obviously going to twist so much of this around. A lot of it's going to get buried, you know, of like what's actually happening in that industry, right? And just remember, not everything that you see is real. Right. So who knows what led Black China to get baptized? Who knows if she's legitimately gotten baptized or if it's a publicity stunt? Right. Just always be aware that when you're seeing entertainers entertaining, that is their job. Right. So don't be too heavily invested with what's going on on your social media. Don't be too heavily invested with what you see on the shade room and, you know, no jumper and academics platforms and stuff. Okay. It's all entertainment. Okay. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, please head over to wokeuparebel.com look around you can check out our merch store please buy some clothes we have hoodies we have beanies we have mugs we have all kinds of stuff you know the weather is getting warm we have t-shirts we have bike shorts we have you know cool stuff so head over to wokeuparebel.com check out our shop subscribe to the newsletter slash blog Um, you'll find the option in the menu on our website where it says woke up a rebel newsletter don't forget to follow the spotify playlist as well where you can get some dope music every single week that aisha and i curate we find dope songs and we just add them to this really cool playlist that we have right where we support artists that we actually you know really f with and really like thank you so much drop a comment in the comment box if you're listening to this on youtube or spotify thank you so much we shall meet back here again next week for episode number 23 i was your host mario of woke up a rebel